A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Julia McCoy. <laughs> you need a drum roll for that. Yeah, it was a double C. Thank you very much. It was a double C. I kind of hiccuped on the double C, reading it and thinking, is that McCoy or McCoy? Which one is it? McCoy. Oh, right. The smooth one. Okay. Rubbish. Yes. Thank you very yes. much, Julia McCoy. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Delighted to have you here. Um, Thank you so I've much. been, as always, researching brand SERP. So if we can show that first brand SERP, I look my guests up on this thing called Google, which is a great search engine that returns wonderful results. And as you can see, you're associated with some pretty groovy people. Um, that's that's a, pretty much a who's who of of digital marketing, content marketing. At the bottom there, just one thing is you haven't claimed your knowledge panel, which uh, I would suggest that ev everybody who has a knowledge panel would would like to claim it because it's a, a good way to control it. But yes, then I'm waiting on my driver's license. It expired and I had to get a new one. So I have that up in my browser and I'm like waiting for that to arrive. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, if, if you want to claim one without a driver's license, you need to get an entity home. When you get the entity home, it shows the little world icon with a site next to it. And then you can claim it just with Search Console or potentially your Twitter account. Mm, interesting. Piece of advice from the brand SERP guy. I know this stuff because I've been studying it for far too long. Next, what I then decided to do is click on Marcus Miller, who I knew a Marcus Miller who worked at Rackspace, and there might be multiple Marcus Millers, but I would assume it's him. And if you can see here, I went knowledge panel hopping, entity hopping from you to Marcus Miller to Miles Davis and from Miles Davis over to Louis Armstrong. So you're a couple of hops away from Louis Armstrong through the fact that Google has misunderstood that Marcus Miller, who would be associated with you, is not the Marcus Miller who is a musician. Oh, and the other thing that I like about that is once you get to Louis Armstrong, you can hop back to Miles Davis and presumably back through Morris Miller and back to you again. So you're a couple of steps away from Louis Armstrong, and Louis Armstrong is a couple of steps away from you. That is incredible. My day is made. <laughs> My <Brilliant>. week is made. <laughs> <laughs> so th that's, that's what amazing. I call knowledge panel entity hopping, uh, which I enjoy a great deal. And if we show the third screen, and this will be over soon for anybody who's suffering terribly, the content hacker, I looked that up. And you've pretty much nailed that as well. You're very much associated with that term, uh, a term that yeah. you've been using for, what, a couple of years? Yes, for about two, two and a half years now. Yes. And we did a ton of content on contenthacker.com naturally, of course. So that has not been not been an overnight thing, as you know, Jason. <laughs> yeah, sure. 100%. But I mean, you, you've really dominated. And the only other kind of content hacker, right? See, there, there's a Philippine company who offered digital marketing services. And the person who initially said content hacker in his article on I think it was Medium. Yes, yes, absolutely. So there were a couple people. Garrett Moon was the first person who kind of coined it. And of course, he's the founder of CoSchedule. Great friend. So he wrote the 10x marketing formula. And he talked about it in there. And it's funny because he has the Twitter handle content hacker. So I'm always like, oh, Garrett. But I've cornered everything else. So <laughs> right. Okay. And being content hacker too just doesn't hack it, does it? Yes, yes. Right. <laughs> Brilliant. Anyway, have. you're the Julia McCoy. Uh, and delighted to have you here. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, skip the degree, save the tuition. Now, my immediate reaction to that is I've got a degree. So mm -hmm. it doesn't apply to me. 
or maybe it does. Yes. Yes. So what I would say is it absolutely still applies to people that have a degree. And what we did in the writing the book, my co-author and I, Dr. I, Addison Zhang, we researched about 40 to 50 people that were experts in their field of all different ages, you know, demographics, industries. And what we found is about 25% of those people had a degree. They're still featured in the book. And the majority of them told us, I think it was nine out of 10 people told us that they cannot use their degree in what they're doing today. And then a couple of people told us they got value from the connections and the experience. Hmm. So there's still, you know, there's still good to be had in college. It was our, our goal was to point the alternate pathway that now exists, which is amazing. You can now build a skill set without having to go to college first. Right. Yeah, no, I really like that idea. I mean, I, I went to college, got an economics degree, um, and I never actually used it. It was basically a stepping stone while I waited to figure out what it is I wanted to do between the ages of 19 and 23 um, when I decided to become a musician. And I don't think that the degree helped me other than having a good time, learning some music. And, and I think, though, it did teach me some of the ways that I now think my way of analyzing things. Mm. So I think the the approach was more important than the information. And I think we both agree online today, you can get the information. It's a question of what you do with it that's important. Yes, 100%. I love that. Oh, well, I thought you said it. <laughs> I, I've been reading up on you, and I'm sure I found True. that somewhere in something you said. I love my own words. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you you actually dropped out of college. I mean, you you I, mean, I, I was going to say gave up, but that's unfair. You you chose to walk away and do something else. Why did you do that? Yes, yes. Um, whenever I go went to college, I was going for an RN degree, so very different than content writing. Very very different. And I got halfway through the program. It was one of the toughest programs on the East Coast. It was like ten percent of people actually graduated. It was very tough program. So I got halfway through it. And one morning I was 19 years old. One morning I just woke up and I was like, how can I actually switch to doing something I love? Because I knew it wasn't my passion. We were on the clinical field, you know, doing things like changing adult diapers and, and, and then helping with helping young people who had wounds that were coming in with gunshots. We lived in Pittsburgh and there was a lot of crime, just like all the things I was seeing. I was like, this is not for me. It takes a tough person to be a nurse. Not that I'm not tough, but like a different type of tough person. So I have so much respect for nurses. You know, it's, it's a hard job, but that morning I was like, what can I pursue doing that I would really enjoy the rest of my life? And I was like, instantly, I knew the answer was writing. It just like a light bulb, right? So I Googled it, how to make money writing for a living. And that was 2000, 2011. And whenever I Googled it at the time, Upwork was Odesk back then. And oh. Odesk had 13,000 gigs available. And when I saw that, when I saw that little number at the bottom of the page, 13,000 jobs, I was like, whoa, there's a market. And I stepped my feet in. I created a profile the next day I was applying to, I think like 50 jobs and I got my first gig within the next day after sending in that many proposals. And it was, it was a race from there. It just, it all happened very, very quickly for me because oh. I jumped in feet first. And then of course I had to start choosing, do I study for nursing tests or do I take a paying client gig doing something I love? So naturally oh. 
college fell by the wayside and I did not, I did not succeed. I failed that semester. And then I was like, okay, now that I failed, I can do what I love. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, one thing that struck me is um, with education, especially degrees, is one tends to get funneled by the system. uh, And perhaps one doesn't realize that's happening. I personally went and did economics simply because I was good at it and I knew I wouldn't have to make any effort and I could just laze around having beers and playing music, playing football. (laughs) And a friend of mine who I connected with a few years ago became an actuary. And when I said to him, what's an actuary? What do you do? What's an actuary do? He said, actually, I don't really know, which is my funny joke. Um, And what had (laughs) happened to him is that he was so good at maths, pure maths, that he went to Cambridge, then went on to become an actuary. And he said, I sit in an office, my boss sends me sums, and I have to check my boss's sums to make sure they're correct. And then I send them back. And I had this vision of the kind of the Brazil thing where it comes down this tube. He looks at it and then puts it in another tube. (laughs) And he said, the only pleasure I get in life is mountain walking. Mm. And I feel I was funneled by the education system into a job I absolutely hate just because I happen to be good at maths. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I wish we published that story in our book. <laughs> yeah, but it's not my story. So obviously, you'd have right. to ask him and he might not share it with everybody. But, um, and he remains nameless in this situation. Excuse me. Um, but what did strike me is how easy it is to get funneled into that and how courageous, <laughs> very complicated maths, at the bottom of the screen put up by Anton, how difficult it is to break away as you did and say, actually, I've been pushed or I'm, I'm in something that I'm not really enjoying. I want to choose to do something I enjoy. Yes, yes. And that's one reason I brought in my co-author, Dr. I, Addison Zhang, because she has spent a couple decades of her life where she was raised to be a professor and in her culture, she's Asian in her culture. That is the highest level Mm. of accomplishment. So once you've become an oppressor, a professor, (laughs) oppressor, (laughs) you've arrived. (laughs) And so, yes, it's funny. She would love that word. Oh dear, That that was, that was one of those slips of the tongue that might turn out to be incredibly revealing. (laughs) Like content hacker. One day somebody just said content hacker. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. But right, she so, was, and, and, and she managed to break away and it is very difficult. Yes. Yes. And she saw the problem that you described and that person's story. She saw that she was teaching marketing and she was helping kids get to a place where they could graduate and have knowledge in marketing. But she saw that they weren't even allowed to use social media apps in the classroom. This was a well-respected university on the East Coast. They weren't allowed to use it in the classroom to teach. So she couldn't do something like open Pinterest and show her students how to use it. And then because of that and the hurdles of traditional education, just kind of funneling you through this outdated, if not even broken system of learning, they were graduating with no skills. And she had students in tears on their graduation day And so she saw that and she was like, being the strong person she is, she was like, I have to reinvent myself. And then how can I help my kids and these children, these young people in the classroom, how can I help them achieve real skills? So she dropped out of her professor. Um, She has multiple degrees. It's funny. She dropped out of teaching it and I dropped out of the system. So she started Classroom Without Walls. And that's one reason I partnered with her is 
her knowledge, and you see it in chapter one of our book, Skip the Degree, that's written by her. So that first chapter is like, what is actually wrong with the system? Why is it sometimes broken? And how can parents guide their kids towards a better future? Because the truth is, you don't need thousands and thousands of dollars of debt to achieve a skill anymore. You don't. And the system can hold us back, just like what you were saying, from actually discovering our passion because there is no, you know, there is no formula like discovering your personality. That's not taught in college. But if you don't know who you are, how can you pick the right job? It's impossible. You, you're going to be pushed towards something you may not love because you happen to be good at math. You happen to be good at writing. So therefore, you should do this. So I right. completely agree. You know, the system doesn't help you choose the right pathway. It's really up to each one of us. Right, but then beyond the system, I mean, obviously kind of, uh, I mean, for, for me, the big question is, right, once you've got through the system, whether you've got the degree or not, and as you said, some people did have degrees, I have a degree, figuring out how to structure oneself to learn the things one wants to do to remain in some kind of gainful employment that one enjoys is the big challenge. I mean, you said four L's, which I love, learn, labor, and level up, which is all terribly <laughs> iterative. <laughs> it um, is. And so what I like about this is you can now explain to me how I can change, I, I would assume, my mindset to say I can actually now learn without the structure of an educational establishment around me. Yes. So the four L's, that is something that I've been, I pulled that out of everything I've done. I kind of pulled it out as the formula that we've been using kind of subconsciously to teach our writers at Express Writers, uh, my business turning 10 years old this May, we have almost 100 people, you know, we've been through the hiring, just the ups and downs to find the best people. And it's not always talent. It's more, you know, attitude, having the skill, realizing that every day is a learning opportunity. You've never arrived. So all of that plays into finding the right candidate. And I took all of that into consideration when publishing the four L's because it is not just about talent. The other things can matter even more so. So the four L's, we'll talk about what those are. The first one is love. So find out what you love doing. So for me, I love writing, right? So I came back to that. I was like, how can I make money writing? I did that Google search. And if you love math, if you, gosh, there's so many different things. If you love animals, you can do a Google search. How can I make money and insert with animals <laughs> yeah so google provides a solution when you say you say what do i love i love football how do i make money with football it will say become a football player that isn't yes. going to happen yes <laughs> right so take because that you do need a level of, of talent you can't just love doing something i love playing football but i wasn't good enough yes and that's where the other three l's come into play like you can't that's lucky. just <laughs> You're right. No. <laughs> so the second L definitely it, it's that barrier to, okay, am I actually going to make money doing this? So all four L's love, learn, labor, level up. So learn is when you find something you love doing that you can actually make money doing. And then the third L is to get your hands dirty is to just labor. So first I recommend learning and you can do that you don't have to go to college to do this anymore. You can do it through practitioners. Of course, depending on the industry you're in, if you're going for 
um, an attorney position, you know, do <laughs> go to college, medical, the same thing. Don't Google this. But if you find something that you can do without a degree, you can learn from practitioners, you can take courses, and then you can get so much faster to your end goal of that skill set. You know, watch channels like Jason Bernard's channel if you're trying to learn brand serves. And that's a way you can build that skill without having to go to college and sometimes taking on years in a, in a lecture hall in a classroom that may not even be relevant to marketing in the next 12 months because marketing changes so much and Google changes. Right. And, and so that, learning that's... from a practitioner. Sorry, that's one of the problems with kind of the educational system is that things change very fast and the educational system by definition doesn't. Uh, it doesn't tend to move yes. forward as fast as the world, and especially on the internet and marketing and so on and so forth. Things move forward so very quickly that by the time you've got through your degree, watch Jason Barnard's channel. Julia, woohoo, thank you very much. We'll quote <laughs> you on that. Brilliant, wonderful. Um, for the learn and labor part, I mean, for me, the laboring part is basically saying work at it. And the learn part is listen and digest it and mm -hmm. make sure that you, you can actually reproduce it in some manner. And, and that brings me to the idea of the 10,000 hours that people talk about a great deal. The idea that you can only master a topic if you've spent 10,000 hours doing it. Often mistaken for if you spend 10,000 hours, you will necessarily master something is not true. It's if you have the talent for it, spend 10,000 hours, and that's the point at which you can consider you might have started to master it. Would you agree with that analysis, or am I going off on some mad angle? <laughs> no, I think there's a lot of truth there. I do. I do think because it's 2021 and we've arrived at a place where we, we've never had this many resources in this mm. internet age, like the amount of resources. Um, just today, I talked about how we've implemented AI into our writing. And there are tools out there. You can put in a keyword and this tool will literally begin writing your article for you. So if you're not a good writer yet, you can use that tool, study what it's writing, and then adapt and grow your own writing. So because there's tools like that on the market, it's never been easier to shave that 10,000 hours down. You know, I'm not saying... I'm not saying to be an expert in name only. I think there's a lot of danger there. There's a lot of so-called influencers that kind of have the word influencer in their Twitter bio, but you know, they don't really have a track record to show for it. So definitely don't be that person because that person is not going to make it long term. Like we think in terms of legacy, I think Jason's YouTube channel proves the same. You know, he's done so much content over the years and it's, it's never an overnight thing. So while you can take that 10,000 hours down, you know, for me within three months, I had tons of clients, but I was working 90 hours a week. I was typing my fingers off. <laughs> you know, I was writing 50 articles sometimes in a matter of a week. So that was how I learned. And that was brutal, but amazing training ground. So if you, you know, if you really find something, I think the keyword is passion. If you find something you're really passionate about, then the drive, you won't need to look for that drive. You will be driven to go and put in the hours. To the point at which is your family hates you because you spend your entire time working instead of spending time with them. Yes, I, th I think we're speaking the same language there. Yes. And coming back to the, the AI thing, I mean, what I do like about that is you're saying, yes, use AI, use 
these tools, but use them to leverage yourself to push yourself further. I mean, Wordlift, I was going to say earlier on, Wordlift, who actually the partner of this, have got one. And Andrea Volpini, who created or has helped create that, was saying what we can do is uh, automatically write meta descriptions. But he would never advise anybody just to put in one of the meta descriptions they wrote, a summary of the page. He would mm -hmm. say, use that to inspire yourself, because the hardest thing in life, I think, is to have the blank sheet of paper. If you've yeah. got something that the machine has written, it's really easy to say, that's rubbish. I can do better. Yeah. So that blank sheet of paper, the AI is replacing the blank sheet of paper rather than replacing you. A hundred percent true that <laughs> we were testing these tools two weeks ago. One of them has just come out three weeks ago. It's called HyperWrite and it's okay. funded. They just got 2 million in funding and they're funded by the same creators, the same investors that funded Amazon. So they have a lot of people that believe in them, but we were testing it and I was talking to my writers in our Slack channel and that's what they were telling me. They were telling me this is so much better than having the blank draft. Like life has changed. If I mm. can tap a button and see content being written and then instantly see how I can do better or get new ideas. There was a writer that was writing an article about, I think, foodie spots in New York and the AI writing algorithm came up with ideas that she didn't know existed. So it was really cool to like see because of these amazing, this amazing new technology of GBT3, you can get yeah. ideas that you may not have gotten just from doing a preliminary Google search. So yes, like Jason was saying, use those tools. I fully believe in it. Don't be afraid of these tools. I hear all the time, Julia, is this going to replace my writing job? And I, I tell people all the time, it won't if you love and practice your trade every day and you get one step ahead by using these tools in your process, because yeah. if you stay fearful, then you're on the outside of that and you can't speak from a place of, yes, I know that tool and it cannot replace me. <laughs> and when you know that because you've seen it, it's really powerful. Yeah, and and the, I, I did the fact that these tools aren't replacing us what they're doing is making our lives easier and moving us forwards through the boring bits with Cali yeah. pro i've actually got a couple of clients who said we, they do online reputation management they're saying but you're going to put me out of a job and i'm saying absolutely the contrary i'm mm -hmm. providing you with a platform that just goes through all the boring manual stages you were doing up till now and puts you right there at the heart of the solution to the problem that your client has and allows you to deal with more clients and deal yeah. with only the interesting part and end up, as you said earlier on, doing the part you love. Yes. And why not? That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, it's the same with the AI writing, as you're saying. Um, oh, there you go. A question with the writing. Uh, Alessia is asking, can you recommend any particular tool that you think is the best? You named one earlier on, and I can't remember yeah. what it was called. Yes, maybe Anton can put that on the screen for us, hyperwrite.ai. And it's spelled just like it sounds, so hyperwrite, like writing a book, .ai. Uh, oh, as that opposed to hyperwrite, R-I-G-H-T, i.e. I'm always right and you're Correct. wrong. Correct. <laughs> Correct, you're wrong. <laughs> I couldn't help that, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you got me. Brilliant. I, I, can't, I can't deny it. I, I was so... Oh, no, I'm not going to make it. It doesn't work. Sorry, I was trying to make up a stupid joke, and I can't. You beat me to it. Um, right, okay, so we've got love, learn, and labor, and then we've got level up. Now, level up, I, mean, I, I get love. Do something you're passionate about. Do something you love. Learn about it. Labor over it, 10,000 hours or less, whatever it might be, whatever suits your purpose. Then level up. What does level up mean? 
Yes, yes. That's my favorite L. So this is the one that <laughs> this is the one you earn. And I can't stress that enough. Like, just like we were talking about earlier, you know, so many people today, they have the word influencer, expert, unicorn, uh, that list goes on and on of synonymous names in their Twitter bio. And do they really uphold that? Have they been a practitioner first? So if you've, you know, if those three L's correlate to your journey, you found something you love, your passion is involved, because that's what gets you out of bed every morning, you're excited to do what you do. Then you learn all you can about it, you learn, you digest, then you labor, you get your hands dirty, you work in it for a good amount of time. Level up is when you can charge more, you can raise your rates, get better clients, and then scale. So, you know, one thing I've been teaching in the Content Hacker Academy is scaling doesn't always look like 100 people, like we have 100 people at Express Writers. But you don't need to, you don't need to have 100 people to make a million a year now. You know, um, one really great example is Amy Porterfield. She has, I think, three people total in her team. She's been hosting a podcast, Marketing Made Easy, for 20 years. She teaches courses. That's it. And she makes 8 million a year with three people. So like you do not need to scale to the human factor of a ton of people. You can scale sure. digital products. You can scale like you're doing, Jason, a YouTube channel. You don't have to grow this giant team. And I think that's the beauty of this age we live in. Like you can have and set a goal to level up and be that millionaire without having to staff and hire hundreds of people first. So that's, we talk about that in the book. And in the book, we actually give about 50 opportunities that allow you to make pretty good money, depending on which ones you right. pick and how hard you pursue it. Well, I think that the idea of kind of uh, automation saving time and, and things that we, we would no longer even think about doing that we used to do, um, I mean, a, a good example in the SEO industry, at least, is the the tracking software and the crawling software. You're going to get a platform that will track your keywords, uh, crawl your site, give you all the errors, whereas before you'd be going through it one by one or searching. Um, I've been using SE Ranking. I've used SEMrush a lot. These tools, you just plug mm -hmm. them in, and within 10 minutes, they've given you all the errors on your site. They've tracked your keywords. And the idea, the even the idea that I would do that manually is completely idiotic now. And 22 years ago when oh. I started, 23 years ago, that's what you had to do. Oh. Or you had a software on your computer, you had to press a button, and it would just give it the results for your own IP address. So you end up with this kind of thing is, is using the technology and making sure that it's replacing the really dull, depressing, boring parts of your work, seeing mm -hmm. focus on what you learn and you can love and labor at what you love, and then you can level up and make $8 million a year. That was a brilliant right. piece of four L's <laughs> there, wasn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, so coming back to the leveling up, which I, I think kind of all of us want to get to the leveling up as soon as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And leveling up on something we love is great, but I think, and, and you will, I hope, or probably confirm it, the learn and the labor is a big chunk of time. And you said 10 mm -hmm. years for yourself. So you can't think, I'll yeah. pick something I love, learn, labor at it, and then level up within the space of a year. It's 10 years, more, less? It can really depend on what you're doing and how quickly you get good at it. So, for example, in writing, if that's something you were good at in college, 
you know, you were really good at it. You wrote a lot of content. You wrote a lot of stories. You might have a shorter learning curve than someone who is trying to just go for the level up factor. And, you know, that's not really what they love doing. Or maybe they weren't even good at it. So that person is going to have a lot longer of a learning curve. And that's why it's really important to find your passion first, because then the learning curve, like we talked about earlier, you have a natural drive because you love it. It wakes you up. It gets you out of bed. But it's really important to not not underestimate the amount of work that goes in, you know, Amy Porterfield, like she's been hosting her podcast for 20 years. She has like 280 episodes. You know, that's more dedication than I would have to a podcast. I don't think I could podcast that I would get burned out, but writing. Yes. You know, I've written, Oh gosh, I'm writing my fifth book. I've written over a thousand blogs that are published on the internet. So that's what it took for me to achieve now our service-based agency does about a million a year and my other business does about 200,000. So not a million really blog does. posts, a million dollars, yeah. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really impressive. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, I mean so kind of the 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 leveling up that you've managed has taken an awful lot of uh, time and learning and and I think it's important what you're saying as well is trying to level up before you actually have mastered what it is you're doing. You end up being one of the influencers you mentioned earlier on. Yes, it, influencer in name only which is not not good at all. You really want to build and earn that place of expertise. And what's really cool is whenever you level up and you really start to begin to get confident in what you're doing because you've put in the hours, you've put in the learning, you actually the the perception that comes in. You don't really have to tell people, "Okay, I'm now I'm now this person, I'm now this much of an expert." You will be seen as that. And that's what's really cool. If you put in the time, the content, you create, you create, you put in the hours, people will start to notice, they will tune in and they will see you as an expert. And that's such a better place to work from because you get clients on, you know, not autopilot, that's not the word we ever want to use, but you get inbound clients that are ready to pay you for your expertise because they see it. So coming from that practitioner first place is so important to build that long-term legacy and then get great clients who see and trust and you don't have to sell to them. They trust you already. And it's like, why wouldn't you do it that way? It's just, it's, it's, it makes absolute sense to come from that place first. Right. I mean, I, uh, the one thing I've kind of always thought about is when I did my O-levels, which is what we do in the UK when you're 16, I did my 11 plus and failed it. Then I did my O-levels and messed those up. Then I did my A-levels <laughs> and messed those up. Then I did an economics degree. And what I realized is that once you've got whatever the last piece of education you did, that's what people asked about. And they never mm. asked about any of the stuff beforehand. So when I said, I've got an economics degree, nobody ever asked about my A-levels, my O-levels, or my 11 plus. Then when I got a job, Nobody asks about my economics degree. When I go and see a client now, nobody says, well, can we see your degree, please, before we sign the contract? Yes. They look at my experience and what I've done and the clients I've worked for, uh, and that's the, the, the learning and the laboring part that allows me then to level up with my love. Yes. Well said. Well said. <laughs> and we hear that all the time. And I can tell you in 10 years of writing for so many clients, some of which are major name brands, mm. some are little you know, mom and pop stores, We've never been asked once, what are, what's your degree? What are your writer's degrees? It doesn't matter. It's how well can you write and will it earn results for me? <laughs> that's what your client cares about. I think that's an absolutely brilliant way to conclude it. It doesn't matter. 
People don't ask for your degree. They look at what you've done, what you can achieve for them. Thank you very much, Julia. That was absolutely brilliant. I'm going to quickly announce who's coming on next week. It's my friend Yag Ganesh, Building Brand Narrative, which uh, will be delightful and fun. He's a lovely chap, incredibly smart, and he knows all about brand. And obviously, I like brand surf, so that's going to be an incredibly geeky brand out next week. Uh, Thank you once again, Julia. That was absolutely awesome, brilliantly wonderful. And uh, I had Dr. Zhang on as well eight months ago. She too is delightful and wonderful. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Julia. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant, wonderful.